0: The last word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here.
1: Today FM.
0: So, the Finnegan Junior Minister Damien English resigned last night after the online website The Ditch revealed that he had given incorrect information to a local authority when making a planning application to build a house in a rural area in County Meath in the constituency he now represents. Brendan O'Sullivan is head of planning, or or the planning school at University College Cork. Damien English has lost his ministry. There are people who are saying he should lose his seat. Is it possible that he could lose his house because it wasn't built with valid planning permission?
1: Well, when you put it like that, Matt, um, it's very difficult to see a situation where he might lose his house. Um, there is a requirement on the legislation that any development requires a planning permission, and if you carry out development without a permission, you are breaking the law. But there are very few cases, or certainly have been very few cases over the decades, of people having to demolish a home with planning irregularities. Um Many of them go through the courts and there are sanctions imposed and so on. But um, it's very difficult to see a situation where that might occur. But um, the issue about building houses in the countryside is a very tricky one in Ireland, as you probably know. And um, it's not about an individual case, but it's about the pattern of individual houses in the countryside, which is the big issue. Um, So, yeah, in this particular case, and I don't know the details of it, um, it's hard to, for me to see a situation where either the house gets demolished or um, a bit severe sanction coming in place. But I can see why it's certainly a political issue.
0: Yeah, this, what sort of sanctions normally happen? And, and how many occasions does it happen that a perfectly good house might actually be demolished? Um,
1: well, the decision about demolishing a house is up to the court's. Um, and it's when a local authority, like a county council, decides to take enforcement action against someone who's breached planning. Uh, when it goes to the courts, it's usually up to a judge. Um, and there have been examples, but not too many, of where a house has to be demolished. In many cases, when it's extreme uh, breach of planning, when I mean what I mean by extreme is where, for example, there might be some danger involved. For example, it's built on a dangerous stretch of road. Or directly polluting a water source or something like that. Um, but, you, you know, I, that that end game is something very difficult to predict, but it has happened quite rarely.
0: It just strikes me that if he was to go to try and sell the house at some stage, would he have to go for retention of planning permission to get around the anomaly which has now been uncovered?
1: It's quite interesting because it depends on how the planning permission is worded. Um, in many cases and I don't know if your listeners are aware of the reasons why councils might do this, but when it comes to getting a planning permission for an individual house in the countryside, not every applicant is treated the same. And There's a general sustainable development imperative to control a, a really haphazard scatter of houses across the countryside for various environmental and other reasons. But there are also good reasons why the government has said to councils, you should make exceptions for certain categories of people who have a local connection and who need a home, right? So when a council decides to make an exception and grant a planning permission to a rural person who needs a home there on their farm or whatever it might be, um, in order to protect that planning permission and to give the signal to everyone else that we've given it to this person because of their particular circumstances, they would ring-fence the decision by putting a condition on it saying that this permission is for you and for you only to meet your housing needs and in many counties they actually ask the applicant to sign a legal agreement to that effect saying it's going to be their home for a minimum of five or ten years whatever they might have put in place locally. Um, So in this case um, what seems to have happened is that in the furnishing of information when they're building up the case case as to whether this was a local person or not and whether they were in need of a home or not Um, this would have been information furnished as part of the process. It may or may not have been enshrined in the permission itself and the permission itself whatever way it's worded um, itself then becomes part of the title documents for uh, uh, the home. So if it's going to be sold, someone is going to ascertain whether it's to the planning or not, and if it doesn't comply with planning commission, they'll have to apply for attention. But if the wording of the planning commission itself doesn't refer specifically to a particular document where there might be an error, then that might not arise. But I suppose the bigger issue here is that um, the number of planning permissions that are is- being issued every year are still really high in spite of what we understand about what's sustainable and not. It seems even on conservative estimates that around 4,000 houses are built a year in the countryside with no water supplies, no sewage, dangerous entrances onto high-speed roads and so on. So that's a very unsustainable pattern and these are being granted planning permission in quite large numbers still. Um, So when exceptions are made for the common good reasons, it's important that they're, they're seen as genuine exceptions and that and those people who might apply for permission and be refused or decide not to apply because they know there's a good reason why they shouldn't really be in a, in an unserviced place, um, that they know that those who do go ahead um, are done for good reasons. And when planning is presented, and quite rightly perhaps in some cases, is presented as something full of red tape and bureaucracy, but when you see questions like this or cases like this, you can understand why it must have a degree of bureaucracy and red tape because um, it, you know, the common good has trying, been trying to be protected and individual people's housing needs in their locality is also trying to be protected. It's a tricky tightrope for people to walk. Um, and well, can I throw t- one, t- one at yeah.
0: you, last one at you, Brendan, please, for sure. I bring in our next guest? And a listener here claiming that there are people lying to planning authorities all over the country every day. Is that the case that a lot of people do, do you think, take a sort of chance in relation to information they might give as to what they own, where they live? You know, you might say for family reasons, but it could be the family member is working in a different part of the country as a teacher, for example.
1: Yes, unfortunately, there are examples of that. But, you know, what county councils have been doing for a number of decades now is trying to take a reasonable approach to people's needs. And when when you relax the technical restraints, constraints, in order to meet a local rural need, you're in a bit of a slippery slope because the county council officials aren't private investigators, really. But they, It depends on a certain amount of good faith, and that's why, um, you know, when that good faith side is, is is undermined a little bit, it makes things tricky for everyone. You know, if people take advantage of this, and there has been a sense in the past. You remember the ghost estates, Matt, and all those yeah. things. There was a sense that if you make a bad planning decision. This sense, there's a feeling that oh, so what harm, you know? There's no big problem if you get if you overzone land or you grant things planning permissions around places. But we now know it does cause problems. One of the patterns I find kind of interesting is if you look at fatal and non-fatal road accidents in rural areas, um, they very much match the ways in which scattered urban housing in the countryside is. is is developing um, and you know there are victims in bad planning decisions so when the decisions are made well it's really important that there there's there's um, confidence in them okay. and you know there's I can perfectly see why people might not give the full picture or they might you know adjust their their case a little bit because they want to get through planning of course they do and and it's inevitable that there are going to be um, um, little corners, okay. turn and yeah. so on and the councils don't have the manpower to investigate every little thing, it's not really their job
0: Thank you very much Brendan O'Sullivan, head of the <laughs> planning school at University College Cork. Daniel McConnell political editor of the Irish Examiner is with us here. Daniel is this the end of it? I mean could he lose his seat before to resign his seat as a result of this?
2: There's certainly uh, questions uh, remaining here, Matt. I mean, the, the nature of his statement makes it very clear that, that this was not only a kind of a mistake made back in 2008, that this was a mistake that obviously was replicated through every, um, uh, I suppose, register of interest that he's had to file every year. So this is something that has been 14 years growing. And it's a pretty, you know, it's not like it's a, it's a simple oversight or it's a simple kind of mistake. You know, it's a pretty wholesale um uh, fundamental kind of uh, not telling of the truth, essentially by, by by saying that he he wasn't in ownership of a house. I, like we were talking here in our news conference here, just in in the last hour, or so um, about you know the anecdotal evidence of people kind of you know lying essentially to councils all over the country in order to kind of get um, the planning information because the, the the rules are so tight. But you know, Damien English is a public representative. He, he he operates and must operate to a higher standard. You know, these rules came in for a very good reason. But sorry, it's up, it's up not, up not even years. a
0: higher standard. It's just the standard. He lied about material information, didn't
2: he? He did, and and ultimately, and, uh, you know, I'm certainly of the view that, you know, he's certainly been given a pass by a certain number of opposition politicians because he's a very nice guy and he's a likeable fellow. He's certainly one of the the more amiable fellows around Manchester House. However, I think there are sufficient grounds in what he's done to bring his his, his dossiers into question because, in fairness, you know, what was surprising in Leo Veracca's statement was, you know, he, he's a very loyal Gael figure. Dame in English, there was no expression of regret. There was no expression of, of you know, um, reluctance, you know, in terms of taking his his resignation. There was someone in Gael who said Leo Veracca should have gone further and demanded that he or that rather not accept his resignation. He should have sacked him uh, in a way of you know, showing to the public that what happened here was not acceptable. He and you know the teacher or the former teacher who said Mehan Martin was up in the north earlier today and made it clear that you know he wasn't certainly calling for his head in terms of his dull seat. He's not vindictive. But there are certainly legitimate questions here around what Damien English did here. Sufficient enough, in my view, to call his doll seat into question.
0: I wonder are there many other politicians across various parties worried now by this outcome?
2: I'm sure there probably are, but we saw in the wake of the Robert Troy incident, Matt, where a number of politicians, including the Clarencora and Shauna Farrell, amend their Dáil Register of Interest because they obviously knew that they, they were, may not have been fully truthful or may not have been fully in compliance, um, or there may have been an anomaly uh, in, in their declaration. So we've seen a lot of people kind of, after the fact, mop up their, their declarations and get them into line. I'm surprised that Damien English, uh, with such an egregious sort of omission, uh, you know, left. At this late, and, and what was even more striking was that up until this time yesterday, we had a statement from his office saying that uh, the omission of that house was in, in line and in compliance with TIPO rules, and then you know, within six or seven hours, he was he was falling on his sword. So, um, you know, that there was an element here or, or an attempt here by Damon English to try and you know, write this out, but certainly, I think that the second story that came out from on the ditch yesterday, I think, you know, made it a fait accompli, um, and he fell on his sword pretty quickly. Uh, say, Daniel, people...
0: th- the reason I ask that is, I mean, I'm... I just remember, for example, in the lifetime of this, Doyle, very soon after it started, we discovered that a newly elected Sinn Féin TD, Rita de Cronin, had built a house worth over a million euro in Kildare without planning permission.
2: Yeah, and so I would think that's probably, I think what you're likely to see, Matt, in the coming days again are a number of politicians from across the political spectrum, not just in government, but across the political spectrum, uh, making looking again at their declarations and making sure they're in line. And inevitably, I'm sure there will be one or two who will come back. Come out and will make an amendment and, and an updated declaration to the House of Rockets. What it does show, Matt, though, however, is that the the powers that SIPO have are, are are not fit for purpose. SIPO is essentially a toothless watchdog. It needs greater powers. It has called for much greater powers. It doesn't even have the powers to investigate uh, on its own. It needs a sort of a, a complaint before it can initially, uh, before it can even move on something. So I think what you've seen from, you know, all these expressions of, of remorse and, and you, know, um, you know, upset from, from government politicians in particular are sort of hollow because they've had plenty of warning about the weaknesses of the system for many years not just this year or last year um, and they've re- repeatedly refused to do anything about it so um, I think this might refocus the mind and I certainly think you're likely to hear some words from um, the Ken and the Oireachtas Commission in due course when the okay. talk reconvenes next
0: week And as I mentioned Rita Cronin I should read the statement she gave to the Irish Mail on Sunday when it broke the story in February 2020 she said in relation to my former home there was an issue in respect to planning the matter was set in court with the consent of Kildare County Council. This dates back almost two decades and is a matter of public record. As a public representative, I'll always answer for matters relevant to my role, but matters relating to my family and my personal life are not relevant to my role as a TD. Well, it shows that a matter very personal to Damien English, his family home, is very relevant to his ministerial and political career, which is why he's had to resign as a junior minister. Daniel McConnell, political editor of the Irish Examiner, thank you for joining us. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here.